how do you recognize a stroke if you are having one or someone close to you is? F-A-S-T, FAST. Sometimes you will see this acronym on the back of an ambulance or on your way into the hospital or at your doctor's office. So what is FAST? F is for face. Is the face starting to droop, your face or your friend's face? Are you struggling with lifting your arm? And S is for speech. Are you starting to slur or stutter? And T, that means time to call 911 or get yourself to emergency. You're welcome to see my story as I was interviewed on Global News at our website at elaineskitchentable.com slash 087. Now, on with the podcast. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I'm so excited and so honored for you to join us. This is the first episode of season six. I am back. We are back. You are back. And I'm so excited. And sitting right beside me is this very handsome man. You can't see him, but I can. And I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, I'm Ron. <laughs> see, I did that on purpose because I usually say, Ron, say hi, or say hi, Ron. And he says, hi, hi Ron. Ron. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Anywho. Well, we are back. We are so excited. This time, this season is all about you and all about serving you. And this podcast, Elaine's Kitchen Table, is about creating better, how to create better, how to create better family, how to create better self, how to create better business, how to create better health. And there's no better way than to start by telling you why and where we have been and what we have learned during that time. So, question for you, Elaine. And I'm sure many podcast listeners have the same question. Since it's been about two years since you released a podcast episode, where have you been? Well, hello. <laughs> I have been right here. But yes, about two years ago, we just, uh, I, well, we just celebrated two years of my stroke anniversary. Yes, that's right. It doesn't matter how old you are or like, I, I don't have high blood pressure, I don't have high cholesterol, but yes, I had a stroke. And I'm going to say that it was actually a blessing in disguise, because if I didn't have that stroke, I wouldn't have learned it was not my first stroke. And I also wouldn't have learned that I had something called a patent hormone oval. And what that is, is a hole in the wall between the atrium of your heart, so that allows blood clots to go straight to your brain instead of being filtered in your lungs. And um, each one was larger than the next. And I did um, have three, uh, seven months of stroke rehab and a heart procedure that I'm just so grateful for. Um, it was an absolute humbling time because I am left-handed. So I had to relearn um how to use the left side of my body again, which meant holding a pen, holding a fork and bringing food to my mouth and uh, absolutely humbling. Okay. I think we can do a little better than that one minute description. Uh, 
since you've been gone from the podcast for a couple of years, you've been you've been sharing your story on stage as I've listened to you say it many times. So I'm going to walk you through it. I, okay. I would like you to start I'm, with I'm the touch your nose part and take us through the day of your stroke. Oh, you want me to like go right back Let's to that moment Let's on April 20th? I think 20th. it's very instructional. Okay. Well, if you are driving, you don't need to do this. But if you are listening right now, and I'm so grateful for you, I, I would like you to take that left pointing finger. That's right, that pointing finger on your left hand and simply touch your nose. Did it. Right? Okay. We all think, yeah, that's simple. Well, you know what? I had an entire month, actually two Mays ago, the month of May, I tried every single day to do that. And it was frustrating. And it's so frustrating when you know that you can do something and you, you watch yourself not be able to do it. And I remember being utterly and completely grateful and just overwhelmed with gratitude when I was finally able to do that, touch my nose with my left pointing finger. And, you know, I, I remember that morning I woke up, um, it was about six o'clock in the morning and I got out of bed like I normally do, but I fell, I fell down and I had no idea why I must, I've never fallen out of bed. So I thought, Okay, that's weird. And then I tried to push myself up, but my left arm gave out. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, this is still very weird. And I somehow did make it to the bathroom. And I proceeded to brush my teeth because I must keep going. And I am left-handed, so I put the toothpaste on my toothbrush. And and I went to brush my teeth and my toothbrush. Uh, toothbrush went flying across the room and the bathroom and I really didn't understand and I had to go get that toothbrush and I tried again and the same thing happened I that I couldn't hold the toothbrush it just I couldn't I didn't realize I couldn't raise my arm and because I am who I am I tried a third time yes I did and then I I'm I love brushing my teeth, so I just gave up and I used my right hand and it was very awkward. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror, trying to brush my hand with my right hand, and I just watched my left arm swing without me doing it. It was just swinging. And uh, so I'm sharing these with you and I, I know you're all thinking, what are you doing? Why are you not calling 911? Because you know what? I, I, I'm trying to share the lessons right here that I have learned. And, and I'm going to get into that. There's three big ones that I want to share. But I want you to walk through my stupidity and my mistakes so that you can have some awareness, ladies uh, and gentlemen. I wouldn't call it stupidity. <laughs> well, I, I, say, I would call it your super momery or something like that. Okay. Well, sure. <laughs> but I, I am going to say that... Um, and I, I, I'm probably, I should say this faster, but um, I'm going to fast track here. I did have to work, um, and the, the blessing was I wasn't going uh, anywhere that day. I actually had an assistant coming to work in our home office with me um, on that day, and I still managed to make breakfast with one good arm and hand, and... Um, I wasn't doing much talking yet, um, 
But uh, I... I'd like to backtrack one little bit because you fast-forwarded sure. a bit there. I was I was still in bed asleep when you were getting out of bed and trying to brush your teeth and whatnot. Yes. Uh, like you said, you didn't call 911. You didn't go no. over and shake me awake or anything. No. I got up, quickly got ready to go to work. I had a, a job I had to travel to that day. Yes. As I was walking out the door, <laughs> the last thing I saw was you... <laughs> Doing your your seven minute morning workout. Yes. <laughs> with with your your DVD from Jaylene Johnson that you've used for I don't know how many years. I don't know how long we've been married. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> so therefore I I didn't think anything unusual. So I, I didn't notice that you were only doing it with the right side of your body, but uh, everything looked normal. Yes, and I probably did mention to you that I must have said something because it was weird that I can't I couldn't brush my teeth and. And yes, are you hearing this? I actually did that. I actually was going through my routine before the kids woke up and uh, did my little, at that point it was not a seven minute workout, but <laughs> and I, I tried and it was hilarious. Well, I guess, I mean, I did get my hands slapped. So don't worry if you're listening and you're wanting to slap my hand to go for it. <laughs> because yes, that is not what you should be doing. Um, I did not think I was having a stroke. I had why would I think I was having a stroke? I didn't think that. And um, so the kids did go to school. Thank God they all could walk to school. And um, when my assistant came, I actually excused myself because I knew something was wrong with me. And I went to call our family doctor to see if I could get an appointment that day. And they were full. And I remember the lovely receptionist asked me what I needed the appointment for. And I absolutely downplayed it. And um, I did tell her what my symptoms were. And she said, oh, okay. She goes, well, you probably should take yourself to emergency. And I politely said, oh, okay, thank you. And I hung up and I could not drive. My assistant did not have her driver's license because she didn't have her driver's license. And I had three children. I had three small businesses. I, I figured I'll, I'll take care of this later. Um, big mistake. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until the evening and um, when we, it was after dinner. I still made dinner. After you cooked dinner? I did. I made dinner. And uh, we were taking our youngest to her field hockey practice. And it was there that... Um, one of the coaches who is a good friend of mine and a physiotherapist and she she knows I well she always jokes with me because she thinks I totally don't take care of my health and she she noticed something a little different about me Hold and on. I said she, to her she noticed a little something different about you at the end of the practice because we drove her daughter to the practice then we walked around the lake together and as after that walk that she noticed yes and, she, and so I walked all the way around the lake with you and I I think at the time you you had uh, a complaint about your leg or something like that, but it was it was nothing new. And I think one of the reasons why you you reacted the way we, you did when when you had your stroke in this day was because you had had symptoms similar for about two years at that point, and we learned later why. So then my girlfriend was asking me if I was okay and I actually said to her I said well you would actually laugh at me this morning and she said why and I told her that I couldn't even brush my teeth I tried to raise and then she just grabbed me she grabbed me and she almost like picked me up off the bench and grabbed me and said 
what? And she's, and then she went into a healthcare professional mode and she's asking me to do all these things like raise my arm and do this and that. And I couldn't do it. And then, and then I think that's when she grabbed me and she said, you need to go to emergency right now. And, uh, she said, she's, she looked at my husband and she started yelling at him too. She goes, if you don't take him, her, I will. And so we actually took the kids home. We actually put them to bed and my husband drove me to emergency and it was there, um, that we really had our wake up call and, and the triage and the emergency, um, the, the nurse at the check-in there asked me to touch my nose with my, she goes, can you touch your nose with your left pointing finger? And in my brain, I'm like, of course I can, right? Like, that's such a weird question. I even looked at my husband like, did she just say, can I touch my nose? And so I, I, I did. Well, I thought I was going to. So I, I attempted to, and I failed. I failed miserably. And that's when it really hit me. And I looked at my husband. I think it kind of surprised him that I couldn't do it either. And there, even though the emergency was full, they rushed me right through. Um, and literally then I... Soon after, I was transferred to a different hospital, and I want to start the lesson that I've learned right at this point. Because you see, even though I physically changed, like my body was shutting down, and I was unable to do things I was born to do and was able to do, my mindset had not changed yet. My mindset was thinking, as I was at this hospital and now transferred to a different hospital and I was there for, I don't know, seven, eight days. And I thought this stroke is completely inconvenient. This was such a, 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 a busy, I hate that word, but I'm going to say it busy time in that I was shipping out a large test order to one of the largest mass retailers in the USA. I was launching a book. I had speaking of engagements in at San Diego in Toronto with plane tickets booked. I had my daughter's uh, nationals tournament coming up in Edmonton and all of these things. And this is not where I should be. And I thought this stroke is completely inconvenient. And, and I remember I, I just wanted to get, get out of there, but I wasn't able to, they, I wasn't even allowed to walk and I had to be in a wheelchair for everything. Um, and I remember talking to, I also had the worst stutter, which was so much fun. Um, <laughs> that was a side effect of the stroke, but, um, and then I also had the heart procedure later, which was a success and I'm so grateful for that. But it was in that hospital that I remember talking to the cardiologists and the neurologists. But let's, let's, let's go back. What is a stroke? A stroke people think is a heart attack. It is not a heart attack. Ron, what is a stroke? Do people think a stroke is a heart attack? They do. Okay. Well, I think people, yeah, people don't know what a stroke is. And I think it's a weird name. A stroke is basically a brain attack. That's exactly right. And I think they should rename it to brain attack. Yes. It's like a heart attack of the brain. That's exactly right. So what a stroke is, is circulation being cut off by a blockage to your brain cells, which causes um, the oxygen to cut off to those brain cells, causing those brain cells to die. 
So it is a medical emergency that needs to be treated right away or else it could result in fatality or permanent brain damage. So it is very urgent. And um, I am honored, so very honored now to be a, a, a spokesperson for Heart and Stroke Foundation and educating women, especially on what a stroke is. Because ladies, stroke is the third leading cause of death in women. And it kills twice as many women as breast cancer. And yet we absolutely ignore, ignore it. One in five women in North America will experience a stroke in her lifetime. And we, we don't even know it. I had no idea that that was not my first stroke. And I was very grateful to these uh, physicians and healthcare providers and the neurologist was sharing that we needed to repair this uh, quickly because um, as they showed us in our MRI, my MRIs and CT scans that the blocks were getting bigger, which meant the hole was allowing larger blood clots, which means the next one would have been a much worse stroke. So we are very, very blessed. But it was in that hospital that I was pleading with our, one of the doctors. I'm going to guess it was a cardiologist because he was the one who gave me a flight ban of three months. I was not allowed to get on an airplane for three months. And my daughter's nationals tournament was two weeks away. And I told him that I had to be there. I had to be there for her. She is my oldest daughter. And... I did not want to miss her, her tournament because during the time I was in the hospital, I already missed her provincials. And uh, he kept saying, no, you can't go. And I, I was saying, you know, it's only an hour and a half flight. It's really no big deal. And it's two weeks away. I'll be fine. And he kept saying no. But on, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe the fifth day, I asked again. And he turned and he looked at me. He said, Elaine. He goes, okay. He goes, I'm going to say you can either go to your daughter's tournament or you could go to her wedding. Is there a mic that we can drop? Because what? Right. I mean, that was pretty mean. <laughs> but so much truth. So much truth there. And it's funny because I, I do speak on stages often and my... A daughter was listening to um, one of the recordings of one of my talks, and she heard me talk about that. Um, and I heard her call out from the kitchen as she was listening to me watch uh, a video of my talk. And she's like, Mom, choose the wedding! Choose the wedding! Hmm. <laughs> and I think I probably burst into tears at that point again, because that is what I do. And if you know me... I should have bought stocks and Kleenex a long time ago because I cry way too often. But yes, choose the wedding. So I'm going to go right into some lessons I have learned. I'm going to make sure you cover the whole story before you do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, first off, how, how, long, how long should it be from when you have a stroke till you get treatment in the hospital? As quick as possible. As quick as possible. And how long was it for you? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, lesson here, ladies and gentlemen. You must go right away. Because the sooner you get treated, the shorter your recovery. My recovery was seven months of stroke rehab, and it should not have taken that long. But it was seven months, and I'm so grateful. It's not that I don't have a stutter. <laughs> 
I have learned to control it. While you're taking a moment to collect yourself, I will just say that it was 14 hours from when you woke up that morning till we hit the emergency room. Yeah. And <laughs> so I feel like we were very fortunate and blessed that the recovery was only seven months. It could have been uh, a lot longer than that. And the fact that we learned that it was not your first stroke, uh, maybe not even, probably not even your second stroke, um, was, a, was a real wake-up call. And, and part of the reason why you had been experiencing symptoms for a couple of years, so more symptoms than that day wasn't necessarily alarm bells for us. We knew, we found out that you'd had uh, a small stroke in your occipital lobe at the back of the brain, which is where yes. vision processing happens. Yes, and right often stroke uh, patients become blind. And right around that time is when your vision correction changed from rapidly and drastically. To, from perfect to crazy. And I will say, honestly, that's still a huge frustration for me, my vision. And yes, yeah, so anyway, that was part of the the reason why the alarm bells didn't go off. But part of how you're trying to educate people going forward, how they can notice this, the symptoms and, and take action. Yes. That's why whenever someone to me says stroke, I, I like to say, you mean brain attack? And I, I'm hoping that that gets out. It makes sense to me now why there's a heart and stroke foundation. Because heart yes. attacks and brain attacks are two sides of the same coin. And but absolutely. And, and it is related because your heart... Uh the, the way if your heart functions properly, it does feel, help uh, bring those uh, traveling blood clots to your lungs to get filtered before they travel to your brain. And so, yes, there is also that connection, but it is not a heart attack. It's absolutely different. A brain attack, yes, but they are closely connected because they can be related to uh, high blood pressure uh, and, and all, those, all the same things that can cause a heart attack can cause a stroke as well. Yes. So yes, you must listen to your bodies, ladies, and don't uh, don't put it to the back burner. <laughs> yes, you've all heard that saying, right? When you're on an airplane and they say, make sure adults to put your mask on first so you can breathe, so then you can turn and help the person beside you. So ladies, if we can't breathe, we're not going to be able to help our children breathe. And I've learned there is only one mom for my kids, and uh, so I have to be here. Before you get into the lessons, would you like to share a couple stories from the seven months of stroke recovery? Like how humbling it was <laughs> and how embarrassing it was. And right, it's like who cries when they're at H&M signing the tax waiver for their child? So the, the, I think it's like the GST, PST mm -hmm. thing. Well, I didn't think I was going to be that parent, but I thought, oh, yeah, this is what I normally do. And I couldn't even hold the pen. I, I, I tried. I held it. And then I drew. I, I literally felt like I was using my toes. And I just, my arm slipped and I drew a line. And and I was so mortified. <laughs> and I think I actually did cry. Yeah. I was totally freaked out. The poor <laughs> teenager working on the other side. <laughs> And uh, so it, it was uh, funny. Oh, don't worry, honey. I got Kleenex. <laughs> it's right there under the stroke banana. <laughs> but um, yes. And then, yeah, so much fun. And I remember we were playing a board game. 
with friends. I think it was Ticket to Ride. And you have to place these little tiny mm, pieces. Little trains. These tiny little pieces on a, a line on the board game because you have to build a train. And my hand was shaking. I couldn't even put a piece of a game on a board. And I think I cried. But in my defense, I'm going to say that a stroke brain in recovery is highly emotional. Mm-hmm. So that did me no favors because you, you I, weren't exactly stoic pre-stroke. <laughs> no, I was But not. yes, there were there were quite a few tears. Yeah. Uh, a lot of tears of frustration shed in that time. Yeah. And I had an awesome team uh, at Stroke Rehab. It like, consisted of a neurologist, a cardiologist, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, a speech and language pathologist, um, a social worker. Uh, it was an incredible team, and they were wonderful. And they put up with me, and, um, I, and I think I was absolutely in denial. That's what they told me. Because I kept <laughs> trying to cancel all the appointments because I thought someone else needs these more than I do. And they're like, no, no, honey, you need these appointments. And, you know, it was so such a blessing because I met so many incredible people. Uh, I'm going to go back to the, the gentleman I shared a hospital room with. And um, I think he was like 87 years old. And I'm going to call him Philip. And Philip was awesome and wonderful. And I remember the stories I would hear from different stroke patients. And... Um, my favorite was always hearing the nurses whisper about me and during shift change, and I would always hear them say, she's so young. And so I had that going for me <laughs> for like eight days. And, um, and so Philip, who was my roommate in, in the hospital for a week or so, he would tell me his stories. And he, you know, we've all heard about the bucket list, right? And, you know, people's bucket list is to swim with dolphins or climb on some Mount Everest or something. But I'm going to call this the other bucket list. And, you know, I hear stories and Philip would say he wished that he could just dance with his wife one more time. Or that he wished he could have breakfast with his son who no longer talks to him. These are what life should be about. Those are the memories we want to hold on to and pass on to our children and our children's children. So now, can I go into my lessons? Okay. And so, the the main lesson is, ladies and gentlemen, it was actually from a book that um, my husband gave to me while I was in stroke recovery. And I'm gonna say it was the first book that I read during stroke recovery. And it is called Essentialism. And in this book by Greg McEwen, he talks about how we need to make choices to do less because less is better. Less is better. Less, but, and he exactly says less but better. Yes, I'm sorry. It allows you to do better by yes, doing less. Yes, less but better. And why do we want to do this? Because we want to live a life. This is the line that stuck with me and struck me. Is we want to live a life by design and not by default. I'm going to say that again. To live a life by design and not by default. 
But how do we do that, right? How do we do that? How do we cut out the overwhelmingness to multitask, the overwhelming need that we think we have to do it all, the overwhelming need that we think that we all have to do everything right now, right this very second, that we have this need that we have to say yes because we need to people please, that we need to do things because we have to be one of those people who have to be not missing out, right? That FOMO. But we don't need to do this. And I know those are easier said than done words, but I'm going to share with you three strategies that I am working through and using in my life since the stroke to help me to live a life by design and not by default. And that number one, when you are making a decision that could just strip away all of your time to do something that you should not be doing because we do fall into the trap of people pleasing and FOMO and needing to be and do everything is number one is to put your time and energy where your heart is. Put your time and energy where your heart is. What I mean here is if it's, it's okay to say no. It is okay to not go to that next tournament so that you can go to the wedding, right? That if, so I, I'm going to bring it back to an example. So like I, um, when I was first starting out Easy Daisies, my daily visual schedule product for children, I was calling this one national retailer uh, as a mass retailer, and I, I actually I wasn't calling them, sorry, I was emailing them, and I emailed them for about six or seven weeks, and I didn't hear back, so I, I was persistent because I knew that it takes sometimes seven touches to get that first sale, and so I did. I got an email reply from the head buyer of this mass retail, and he said, okay, let's have this meeting, and we will do it over Skype because they were across the country where their head office was. And I was so excited. I ran over to the calendar to write it down. And I saw, oh no, it was my son's grade one final end of the year concert. And I knew that is exactly where I want it to be. And the, the point of living a life by design and not by default is to live a life that you can say, I choose to rather than I have to. And again, I'm quoting Greg McEwen because I love his book. And I don't want to always say I have to. I want to be the person who lives a life of saying I choose to do this, not that I have to do this. And so I choose at that moment that I wanted to be at my son's grade one concert. So it killed me to have to go back and write this email. And I thanked this awesome buyer for this wonderful opportunity. However, I could not make this meeting work on this day because it was my son's concert. And you have to be honest. And I think that people respect when you put family first, they will respect you. And if they don't, that's probably someone you don't want to work with. So I, I put it out there in the email and he wrote back right away saying, no problem. Of course you should be at your son's concert. Call us uh, after the concert. And that's exactly what I did in the car parking lot of that school. I called and his very first question when I called this buyer was, how was your son's concert? Wow. 
I knew that this was a person I wanted to work with. And I am so honored to say that Easy Daisies has been a bestseller at Staples Canada for now since August 2013. And I am just so grateful. This was a person I wanted to work with. I will say that this is what you want to do. You want to work with people who, who, go ahead, Ron, you want to say something? Oh, I was going to ask you about the second part of that story. Oh, yes. Well, you want to work with people with the same core values, right? And family is important. And you want to work with people who respect that. And so back in the hospital, when I was stressing out about this other uh, master's retailer, and um, because I was in the midst of getting out a test order to them, and I remember I, I couldn't communicate with them because I could not use a laptop. I did not have a laptop at the hospital, but I think by day four or five, I got my husband to bring me a laptop and, and I was able to, to type to them. And I apologize that I was unable to re respond sooner. And I downplayed that I was at the hospital uh, recovering from a stroke. And their first and only question this mass retailer asked was, will you meet the deadline? Hmm. I did. <laughs> I did meet the deadline. But it did give me a big, uh, I guess, an eye-opener on who I, I need to work with. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need to work with everybody. Not everybody is meant to be your business uh, client or partner, and that is okay. It really is. There's no amount of money that makes people sucking the life out of you worth it. And people who, who have the opposite values of you, that's what's going to happen. So, number two. Oh. Before you get to number two. Yes. <laughs> um, there's one more story from your rehab I wanted you to tell. Uh, well, maybe two about the rubber gloves and the... Oh, my word. That one. Well, you can tell that if you want. But the other one was when, when you were talking about Philip, um, I started crying, so I couldn't talk. <laughs> Aww. But... Um, I share my Kleenex with you, my love. <laughs> For those of you who are new to the podcast, Elaine has a company called Easy Daisies. And I'd, I'd like you to tell the story of uh, when oh, you're working yes. with the, I believe it was the occupational yes. therapist in your in your recovery. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I will say that it was frustrating going for seven months back and forth to the hospital. And when I say that, I mean like three times a week. You racked up a huge parking bill. I did. I had no clue that there was like monthly payments. I was paying like one-offs. And um, at first, actually, my awesome husband had to drive me because I wasn't allowed to drive for six weeks, I think. Right? Was it six weeks? About so, yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it was frustrating. Like, my oldest daughter would come with me sometimes to my... Um, occupational therapy um, sessions or or physio and at the hospital and I remember one of the most frustrating moments was one of these um, exercises that they would get me to do and I had to sit on my right hand and I had to pour out a cup of dimes and then I had to use my left hand to pick up those dimes to put them back in a cup. That was one of the worst moments ever um, for me in, in rehab because it was so frustrating. It was like wearing, it's still some, well, it's 
much, much better. But for the longest time, it felt like wearing a thick rubber glove on my hand that was invisible, but that's what it felt like. And this thick rubber glove went from my fingertips all the way up to my bicep is what it felt like. And can you imagine like wearing like half inch thick rubber gloves trying to pick up a dime? The most frustrating thing is when your brain knows that you can do something because you've done it. You've done it before. All your life you've done it. And then to watch with your own eyes that your hand can't do it. That was so stressful. <laughs> I just wanted to scream. Yep. <laughs> and I wasted so much coffee. <laughs> there were so many times I dropped stinking hot Tim Hortons coffee on my lap because it fell right out of my hand. And I know how mortifying wasting good coffee. But, um, yeah. Okay, I'm doing way too much crying here. Not what I thought. But. Back to the oh, occupational yes. therapist. Back to the occupational therapist. So, there was a session that I had where the, the occupational therapist said to me, Okay, Elaine, we need you to have a tool. We need something to remind you of when to take medication and just remembering the things in your day. Because my short-term memory was uh, affected and... Um, so she, she wanted me to have a tool. And she said, Elaine, have you heard of Easy Daisies? <laughs> she, she did not know that I was the creator of Easy Daisies. And she, she said, you know, they have this adult version that it helps um, with memory loss. And you can actually has medication on there. I actually let her talk because I wanted to hear what someone else had to say about Easy Daisies. But that was full circle for me. Hello, right? It's like I made it for kids to have easier days and then we made an adult version because we had so many parents uh, write to us saying that they were buying easy daisies our children's product not just for children but for adults with memory loss issues for early alzheimer's for dementia for early dementia and so we thought well we can't just let them use a children's version we should make an adult version and we're still in the prototype stage i'm going to say um of that product and so that was crazy. Such a full circle. By the way, I've heard you tell that story many times, but I wasn't in the room. Did you tell her that you created the product? Yes, yes. at the end. <laughs> what, what did she say to that? Um, she laughed. She <laughs> laughed so hard. And I think she actually looked it up on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually brought a bunch of them at, on my last uh, session for her to give out to uh, patients. Yeah, because we all need something, right? We all need help. We are stronger when we can help each other. And hey, that's what Easy Daisies was created for, to help people have easier days. That's why it's called Easy Daisies. Yes. All right, can I share point number two? All right, yes. Okay, I think please. we got all the stories that I okay. was hoping you'd cover. All right, help so it. this is so much faster. So number two, so when you are struggling with that decision, whether you should do something or should not do something, whether you should partner with somebody or not partner with them, whether you should be selling to this retailer or partnering with a distributor, or should you be making those cupcakes for that party, ask number two. 
Okay, so number one was put your time and energy where your heart is. If your heart's not there, don't do it. Number two, does it create more joy? Does it? Does it create more joy? Does it create more joy for you? Does it excite you to do that? Right? Because if you were people pleasing, that does not create more joy for you. No, 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 no. If you're doing it out of mom guilt or any type of guilt, that is not creating joy. So it's okay. Say no. Just say no. And number three is to master the art of single tasking. What do I mean here? Well, what I mean is in our high tech world right now, you see a lot of multitasking being glorified, right? I'm sure you've seen those uh, memes with a woman juggling a laptop and a diaper bag and, and the baby and everything. And, you know, it's okay to not multitask. It's okay to single task. And what I mean here is, you know, our children, our spouse, they're not going to remember the moments where we multitask with them, but they are going to remember those moments where we single task with them, right? Doing a puzzle with them or just listening to them tell us about their day without any devices in your hands and just looking at them, right? Going for a date with your spouse, no screens, just looking at each other, talking to each other, playing a board game with your family. And in the realm of business, when you single task, your your customers, your clients, they are going to notice as well. Because single tasking I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. I'm saying single time, single task in the in the tasks that matter the most. If I start stuttering, it's because I'm tired and I'm told that's what would happen. Um, or if you get drunk, but I don't do that. So I guess I'm tired. Okay, so when we single task, so many th- great things happen. And I'm talking about mastering the art of single tasking here. When you do that, your coworkers will notice, your staff will notice, your spouse and your family, your friends will notice, your, cl- your customers will notice. And what is happening here is when you do just focus on that one person, that one customer, you are actually going to increase the quality of that relationship. You are also going to increase the growth in that relationship. And you are going to increase the commitment that you are showing in that relationship, which most of all, you are showing that increase in the impact that you leave. And that is what you want to do, right? This is what you, one day when you are sitting in that coffee shop, my husband has talked about this with me before, and two uh, two people walk in that didn't know you were there, and one person knows about your business or about you, and the other person doesn't, and it comes up. It is what that person who knows you or your business is going to say that is your brand, right? And that is the impact that you have left. So that is what is important about single tasking. So those are my three things. Beautifully put. For how to make the right choices so that you are living a life by design and not by default. Living a life where you are saying, I choose to, rather than I have to. You know what would be cool? If we could interview the author of that book, Essentialism. Okay, that would be crazy amazing, right? Right? right. That would be crazy. Maybe we should get on it. (laughs) Uh, A couple follow-ups. When you said nationals and provincials, you're 
tournaments. You're talking about your daughter's volleyball tournament. Yes. And if you go to the show notes, which hopefully you can just click through on if on whatever app you're listening on, or you just go to elaineskitchentable.com slash 087. I'll put up a picture there of our daughter in the hospital with my wife. Uh, I ended up taking my wife's plane ticket and going to Edmonton to watch her tournament, and she got a silver medal, and you'll see them in the hospital together with the silver medal, which obviously... Mm-hmm. We were planning on going to her wedding, and that's the right choice that was that was made. <laughs> yes. Okay, I am going to do this shameless ask because we are coming back, and I am so excited and so honored and grateful for you. And I would also be so grateful and honored if you went over to our website. And um, I'm actually giving little freebies there, whether they... Elaine'sKitchenTable.com. Yes, Elaine'sKitchenTable.com. And it is called Elaine's Kitchen Table because this is where... Easy Daisies, my uh, product and company was born off our kitchen table. And so we thought it was just a natural fit. I would be so honored if you went there and uh, I have freebies to give away from a checklist to a chapter of my book um, for free. And also, I'd be so grateful and so honored if you would like to take a moment and give a rating. I know that iTunes give ratings for podcasts. So... I'm going to say thank you in advance and thank you with all my heart. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Have a a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.